Hello, Peaceful Warriors. This is your host, Anil, and welcome to my show, Peaceful Growth, where I interview successful entrepreneurs and experts who have achieved remarkable growth in their business or profession. We all want to grow in our life, right? But not at the cost of our peace and happiness. So we also talk about some of the strategies, tips, and techniques on how to manage this growth by also having a successful and purposeful life. You can also sign up for my weekly newsletter, Learn Plus Grow, at anilg.substack.com, where I share three tips to help you learn, grow, and inspire each week. Now to today's episode. Hey everyone, uh, I have here today with me uh, Joshua Wald. Uh, Joshua is a fractional design leader. He has been building WordPress websites for uh, 17 years or more. Uh, he has also been a co-lead um, of a WordPress release. Uh, plus he has also worked as in the design team for WordPress and Gutenberg. Um, and he has tons of experience in design, product design specifically. So yeah, today we are gonna talk about uh, some of his uh, frameworks, principles, and a lot of other interesting things. Hi, Joshua. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and just happy to talk about WordPress and designing good products. That's something we both care about. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so let me get started with our story, like how you and I got connected. So Please, yes. uh, yeah, I wanted to start, start there. And that's, I think, also brought us here today uh, to discuss about your expertise in product design and experience. So last week or a few weeks ago, uh, Joshua and I, we both have been attending the CloudFest where you are um, a speaker and you talked about uh, design principles for WordPress plugins and product. and um, I bookmarked your session because I looked at that and I was like, that's a very unique topic, you know, like talking about product design principles, specifically in the WordPress plugin. That sounds cool. So yeah, I had a chance to listen to you uh, and see you on the stage presenting the topic. And I actually had so many different notes that I took your, during your session. And that's one of the notes that like, all right, I want to invite you as a guest speaker uh, someday and to talk a little bit more about that. So. That's how uh, you know we kind of like uh, I had a chance to learn about learn from you about your principle uh, during the CloudFest. And I, I really appreciate that because when we chatted briefly after the talk, I could see your excitement that you really care about this topic as well, that you also want to build great software and, and work on those principles for good onboarding and all of these things. So uh, it, it's it's encouraging for me when I meet other people who care really a lot about this too. Awesome. No, I think uh, if we see um, pretty much like everything around us, everything that we touch, you know, digitally or physically, um, there is a great level of user experience, you know, and that's kind of decide whether uh, our experience with the tools is going to be uh, be helpful, enlightening, and that's kind of like makes me my day, you know, if I have a, like a horrible tool or product that I'm not able to use or giving me a hard time probably will ruin my day. So I think design uh, is something that is really important and it's everywhere as a part of our life. 
And it's great to uh, see that someone like you is actually focusing on that and making that experience better. And we all have stories, right, of friends who they come to us incredibly frustrated with software that to us feels pretty basic, maybe, since we work on more technical software. But then you'll sit down and you'll try it and like, oh, this is how could the people who make this miss this really simple thing that my friend is stuck on? Yeah. And there's always a chance to improve software. It, it, we should never just sit on our laurels and say that we've done enough. We can always make it better. Yeah. So on that point, uh, Joshua, let's start with um, your principles. So you shared, um, if I counted correctly, I think it was 10 principles, nine or 10 yeah. principles, uh, right? Do you want to share a little bit about that? And and uh, how did you actually discover the principles? And what are those principles? Perfect. And for this one, I'll share my screen just to show one slide that will help us kind of talk through it. Yeah. And we'll pull this up here. All right, I'm guessing you can see that we've got our as I started working through WordPress products and looking at a bunch of different plugins, I wanted to find commonalities between them. Let's go through these and pause anytime if you're like, hey, I have questions about this, but I'll start with the first one. Mm -hmm. In WordPress, when a user goes to install a plugin, a lot of times they'll press activate and nothing will happen. Uh, actually, that's, that's number two. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. They'll press activate and nothing will happen. And you have this little chance when someone is first interested in your plugin to pull them in. My suggestion as I've gone through and looked at a bunch of plugins is I don't mind if a plugin will say, hey, you installed me, take a look at what I have to share. You can dismiss me, run me through a setup wizard or take me to your settings page on your plugin. That's just one of the principles I've seen that if I tell a friend to go use a plugin, they've never heard of it and it does nothing after I, they activate it, there's a little bit of uncertainty. The other one is inside of the WordPress.org repo, if I'm looking for a plugin, there's little things you can do to make it stand out, make it very clear what it's for. And a lot of these bigger plugins will have sub plugins. Jetpack is a good example of this, where you look for Jetpack in the .org store, there's 10 Jetpack plugins, but they've done a great job of making the main one stand out. So I know which one that is. And the rest are clearly I'll call them extensions off of that. So those are the first two principles that I had a developer come up to me after the conference and just kind of immediately said that he was going to go change that right away. So when you install his plugin, it'll actually take you to the plugin. And he was he was surprised with himself why he hadn't done that yet. So that was already really encouraging to hear that that feedback was helpful. And let's see, let's go through some of the other ones here. When I... There's a thing in product design called ideal customer profile. As a user, when I am installing a product, I kind of know what I'm hoping to expect. I kind of know what I hope to get out of this. And it's the plugin's job to make it clear what that can do for me. So when I'm clicking through, installing through little visuals, through text, you can take that opportunity to basically say, here is what this product can do for you when you've succeeded. And that'll help me to maybe finish onboard and help me to finish walking through the steps if you can call that out. These two go really well together where reward success each time I successfully complete a step of your plugin. And I'll pause, this isn't just plugins, this fits into a lot of other product categories as well. It could be a theme, it could be a hosting product. Reward my success for getting something accomplished. Take a moment to say, hey, good job, you nailed this step, here's the next one. Along with that is 
if you're taking me through a setup wizard or some kind of an onboarding, help me see my progress for how long I, how much I've done so far and how much further I need to go to just help me get a sense of how much I need to get done. And then the latter five, one, explain requests. If you're asking me for a bit of data, for instance, hey, I need your social security number. You'd better explain why you're asking that and better be very clear on what you need to do with that. I, I don't think any WordPress plugins do that. I'm not recommending that, but that's a great example. <laughs> um, if you're asking me for my email, uh, that should be obvious why anything you're asking, just tell me why you're doing it. And a great example, I've seen some plugins do this well. And they'll say, we would like to track your usage of this so that we can make the plugin better. Is that okay? I would usually say yes to that if you clearly explain why you're asking that. Another is helpful blank states. There's um, a category of plugin, let's say like advanced custom fields, they do this well. There's a bunch of fields that are empty when I go to start it, but they give suggestions for what I should put into those fields. So anytime you have a blank field, you can just say, here's how you might fill this out. That helps a lot. The happy path, that's the eighth op, um, principle. When I'm using your plugin, I'm not going to use everything of it. So it's okay to show me a single path through that, a happy path that maybe works for most users. And you can hint to the bigger features the, to, through the rest of the plugin, but don't show me everything all the time. Figure out that ideal path and show that to me. Another, this is really simple. And one of the things we may talk about is uh, when I'm doing teardowns and looking at plugins, I'll often suggest the quickest things you can do to improve. Offer support. Anywhere I'm at in the plugin, I should have one button away to watching a YouTube video about your plugin or reading some documents or reaching out to your team. And then the last, and I'll, I'll stop sharing at this one, the aha moment. If I need to, within about two or three minutes of using a product, know if it's for me. I need to have been able to change something, modify something, accomplish something. Let's say it's a contact form plugin, for instance. Within two or three minutes, I should have that form on my website and I should have tested to see if that'll work for me. And if you can't get someone to that aha moment, they're gonna step away and get a coffee. They're gonna maybe try another plugin and you'll lose them. There's more, a, a big category we may talk about later is how does a plugin navigate paid to and free, but those are 10 things I'm seeing that are just often quick wins that plugins can do. Thanks for saying that, Joshua. Yeah, I think uh, all of those that you shared, um, uh, we have a, a like in my company, and like, we have three different brands. Now, MultiDots is our main agency, but we also have two other WordPress plugin, plugin businesses. One is MultiCollab and DotStore. And in both, like, you know, most of the times when we design a plugin in our focus is to create all those like features, having mm -hmm. the right features and doing certain things in a certain way. But uh, like the user journey, like what the user journey or experience can play a big role in terms of uh, whether they will love your plugin or probably will not love as much. Um, yeah. So just seeing these 10 principles, you know, it, it actually opens up a lot of creative ideas for us as a as a product company to kind of go back to our plugin and see uh, where we can improve. And the most important is the the one biggest takeaway that I or my favorite is reward success because uh. I have seen that a lot of different times in a lot of different applications that I use 
that when I start a sign up for that that platform or plugin or solution, uh, the moment you know I see that I'm being rewarded for my efforts, you know my commitment uh, is actually increased. And so one of our plugins, yeah, we kind of like see that opportunity, especially the multi-collaborative where people are collaborating, you know, through our plugin mm -hmm. on Gutenberg. So there will be something that we can do on our side where after once they complete one or two posts or when they com complete a couple of comments or replying to comments or closing the comments and task, then sending them maybe a nice an email like, hey, good job, mm -hmm. you completed your 10 uh, collaboration activities or something like that. And that tells me that I've, I'm using the plugin correctly, right? That mm. I'm, I have so much uncertainty about a new product. And when you say, hey, good job, even if it's a tiny thing, you accomplished this, this thing that you set out to do. And if you tell that back to me, I, I, I feel a bit more of a connection to I'm on the right path. Yeah. No, I love it. Uh, that's awesome, Joshua. Um, so let's talk about that using this framework this 10 principles right like if you can share maybe what are those some of those plugins wordpress popular plugins who actually does really good job um uh, implementing this 10 principles uh something or maybe yeah if you have any yeah uh, it, it was kind of fun i started to look through popular plugins and ones that we both used for years right there's no surprise there as i look through i'll pick yoast for example as I went through Yoast and maybe six other plugins, I started to see things that they all commonly did well and some that they, they had misses on. So for instance, Yoast does a great job of standing out when I'm looking for it. And I, I have no affiliation with them. They're not sponsoring me to say this. They, they do a great job of walking me through the progress of getting set up. They reward my success. There is... I suggested an improvement. They don't do maybe the best job of rewarding my success. They have a tiny little notice that could be a bit bigger. They also offer support. It's always a step away that if you want help or if you want to upgrade to premium, here's how you do it. And on the whole, they follow all of, seven of these principles I felt as of a month ago. They, I, they may have changed some things that seven of them, they did really well. Three of them, I had some suggestions for improvement. And I'm... I'm very cognizant of the fact that a development team gets tired, right? You work on your plugin and product for years. It's your baby. You're doing everything you can. I'm not worried about someone doing all 10 things perfectly at all times. That's not the point. That's overwhelming to try to think about that. But yeah. um, I can be on the outside. I can say, hey, here's what I see as a new user. Here's some things you can work on that maybe do these first and maybe do these later. And that's that's a way that I try to approach it, that it, for instance, the other person I talked to, he's gonna just change one little thing and that might help a bit. Uh, so that Yoast has done a great job and there's other plugins. I, I was looking at some different form builder plugins that I felt did a great job. And on the whole, there's, I'm trying to figure out, is there a standard way that every plugin could improve? And that's where I think these 10 principles are a guideline for mo that most most plugins could start to follow. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I agree. Yoast is a good example. Um, so while we were designing our plugins, I think we took a lot of inspiration from Yoast. And mm -hmm. another plugin that I also like is GibWP. So they have done a good job um they have. overall you know the documentations and the plugin 
uh, onboarding experience and stuff like that. They were another one I looked at early on that I felt was doing a lot of these things really well. Um, you, you open up, they they help walk me through a use case, they reward me along the way, and they show me what I've done correctly. Yeah, that's a fantastic plugin all around. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, just a while, let's say someone who ha is just on an idea stage, you know, he hasn't even started mm -hmm. um, coding their plugin. They're just on an idea stage. Um, and so based on the stand principles or in general your expertise, what advice would you give to, to that company or a developer who is mm -hmm. just in the idea stage of a plugin development? Um, first, uh, give yourself a pat on the back. You're doing wonderful. It, you're, you're creating something that doesn't exist and that's a lot of hard work. So already you're just doing a fantastic job and I just want to call that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other thing I would say is, yes, you need to hunker down and build the feature set. You need to create the utility that makes this thing matter. But take a few minutes to look at what other plugins are doing and see, oh, most of them, they'll, they, they have a setup wizard. Or, oh, most of them, they will, when they have a paywall, it looks like this. So take a few minutes just to see what others are doing and to draw inspiration from that. And then um, I think this is something every development team can do is show what you have to three people who fit what you hope to sell with sell to. Get on a Zoom call, whatever you can do, just show it to three people and see if they all see what stands out. They might say, I have no idea how to click this button. I have no idea what this does. And if you do those two little things, that's already going to get you a long way down the journey, down the path to figuring out if you're doing something right. Um, and don't take it as this, oh, we have to do user research in a big way. No, spend an hour or two once or twice a month, um, even once every other month, just hearing what other people have to get feedback on. With that said, uh, the... Steve Jobs did not use a user focus group to create the first iPhone. Mm -hmm. There was something intuitively he just understood the whole team understood they needed to make internally. When you're making the first version of your product, that initial feedback is just to point you in the right direction. It is not to get too into the weeds. The mm -hmm. things, these 10 principles are really helpful after a plugin already exists to share how to improve it. Don't let it don't focus so much on this that you don't create your product. Uh, th th there's so much back and forth tension to going from zero to one. <laughs> right. No, I love that advice. Uh, and um, during our grand meetup this year, um, for Multidel's grand meetup, uh, we we did this year. And during that, we also hosted an AMA, you know, a town hall. Mm. So all my employees, they can ask questions to me and my business partner. And one of the questions that um, one of the team member asked about, like, what is the one advice that you would give to an, a new entrepreneur, someone who is just starting mm -hmm. an entrepreneur journey? And so the at that time, what I shared is kind of also what you are saying and related to. So my advice to him uh, was that, like, anyone who is starting, like, like new, you know, act first and think later. But mm -hmm. if you are already into the business successful or have like decent success, then you should think first and act later, you know, because in the beginning, like you learn a lot from just doing, you know, and then you will have yes. time to 
uh, improvise it. But once you are very successful, when you have a brand, I think at that time, it's worthwhile to kind of like think first and then take an action. Otherwise, you will end up wasting a lot of resources, reputations, and stuff like that. But when you're just starting up, you'd have nothing to lose, right? There is no, yeah. So that's where I think, yeah. Um, 100%. Like, yeah, just do it. And when you, you could read 10 books on creating a product, but that's right. all just in your head. That's rolling around in circles. It, it doesn't really mean much until you're submitting pull requests, until you're designing screens, until you've made your first sale. All those things start to become useful after you have that out the door. Um, I, I love that way of thinking. And I'm working on, this is just for fun on the side, I'm working on a mobile iOS app. And what I am doing is I'm, I'm poking my head up occasionally just to get feedback from people to see is the direction clear, but I don't want them weighing in on all the features right now. I need to just, I need to get something created first, which is a very precious moment that it, you could easily feel destroyed if someone comes along and says, oh, that's a stupid idea. That's horrible. You need to, you need a little time just to safely protect this thing and ship it and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And I also love the idea of, uh, um, you know, that, uh, yeah, studying maybe whatever the five or 10 uh, most popular plugins are because, mm -hmm. yeah, they already have been in journey and they have already experimented, iterated multiple different yes. times. So yeah, I think, and that's exactly what we did for Multicolab as well, uh, where like even nowadays, like you, any of my team members, sometimes they'll ask me a question like, what should we do here? What about this? I was like, just go and see what other top yes. plugins in the WordPress space are doing, you know, and just that will be like our starting point. And then we can kind of question it uh, about that. If there is any of those uh, things that they are doing, it can be, can serve as an inspiration for us to uh, create our own version. One of my favorite product managers I've worked with, he came from a data analytics background when he was working on this app. And I actually think that really favored him because he didn't have a bunch of hubris about thinking he knew the best way to do it. So what he would do when he needed to build out a screen or work on a feature is he just go look around, he would see, these 10 apps and not even necessarily in the same field right these 10 apps that i admire how do they handle asking a user a question all right i see how 10 of them are doing it i'm going to pull that inspiration into my own app and this doesn't need to be an overwhelming part of designing a product it's poking up for five minutes taking a look at other apps asking a few people questions and that it's a rewarding way to keep pushing forward because if you spent also ship ship sooner than you think don't don't wait for years and years and years um if you did spend years and years and years on the completely on a direction that maybe the industry has shifted away from that's right. also discouraging mm, true yeah no awesome all right so great advice is there and uh, the advice number one is um, look into what others are doing in your space, uh, you know, find five to 10 inspirations and learn from them. Yep. Uh, act first and think later, you know, just try to, when you're in the early stage, just go yes. and ship things and then you will have plenty of time and opportunity to improvise it later. Um, great advice there, Joshua, thanks for sharing that. Um, I think let's move on to now, uh, as we talked about someone who is just starting, but let's think about someone who already has 10,000 plus installs of their plugins. What advice would you give to them? Some of the companies I've been able to help the most 
over the years are I remember that this this team actually uh, my brother Jonathan um, he and I were working with a large company on improving their product and what we actually did is we the VP is like hey can you just talk to the team we sat down with the team and spent the week asking them all the things they were challenged by and unsure and how they could improve the product we then went to the VP handed him a document said here's the things you need to fix that your team has told us and I see that this is part this is the first part. Yeah. Oftentimes when I help teams, someone internally agrees with everything I said and has probably already been saying that, but they almost need that outside person to say yes, that is right. So I what I would advise for a large team is you probably already have the people on the inside who are already aware of a lot of things you should fix and maybe get someone on the outside or maybe if you can spend a little bit of time just hearing from everybody internally and use that as the leader to just prioritize and decide where you need to go. So that'd be the first thing I would say. Um, the next is if you, let's say you're a popular WordPress plugin, use something like this, these 10 principles compared to other plugins and see if there's a glaring hole you're missing. If, for instance, you have no way at all for me to find any support or any help, Add that in, put a button somewhere. That, that could be a simple little step. Um, if you have that many users, you're probably doing a lot of things right. So the big thing to look at, there's three levers you can pull at any time once your plugin is successful. You can pull acquisition, which is marketing, getting people to the door. You can pull conversion, which is converting them to being a user that, that's fully in the platform. And the, uh, the third level lever is retention. You can keep them there, keep providing value. Do not stress yourself out with trying to pull all three at once. It's impossible. You, you'll find the moment you pull one and you see a boost in those numbers, the others will drop. It, it's just like whack-a-mole. Um, so understand with your team, which lever do you need to pull this quarter, this month, this year, and be okay if the other levers drop a little bit. Uh, you can't do everything at once. Makes sense. Great. Um, Joshua, do you have any maybe numbers, any statistics, or any success story of someone that you worked with whose plugins uh, performance or installs or whatever has been been at some point, but since they're applying uh, the stand principles or some of those principles, mm -hmm. you know, something significant changed? I, I worked with a plugin that we have the challenge in WordPress that unless we explicitly ask for it, we don't have true data tracking, right? And that's that's not a bad thing. We're open source. We are trying to be very protective of privacy and data. So I give the caveat that um, in some cases, you can only tell if the plugin continues to get more installs and less support requests. <laughs> so maybe that's a feature part of the system. But a large plugin I worked with, I created a whole onboarding flow. Uh, we were able to put in a persona. We were able to walk them through and activating the plugin. And we saw support requests drop. We saw people reaching out specifically and saying, thank you. You've made my life easier. I My users now are not bothering me as much. So I have seen that just a drop in support requests where the, the plugin is starting to work more. And then the plugin continues to grow. Outside of WordPress, and this is part of why I've been excited to, to bring this back to WordPress. I, I've spent time with SaaS companies, mobile app companies, where we do have data and we're able to see uh, people drop here, they don't drop here, you pull people in here. And I've started to kind of develop these principles in my mind. So what I'm hoping is 
there will be a way for us to have more success stories and more proof that this is working. I'm I'm kind of pulling those two elements together of of less people complaining when you do this and outside the WordPress space seeing seeing results from it. Yeah. No, that's great. So I yeah, one thing that you mentioned about um dropping support requests. I think that's something that's um a very good sign, you know, mm -hmm. and also one of the good uh, success factor because if your customers are happy, you know, then they will renew your plugin, continue to use your plugin, plus they will also recommend it to someone else. So basically, I think it is touching the most important factor of any plugin or business growth, which is keeping your customer happy. And if you keep your customer happy, then they will recommend it to others and you will continue to grow. Um, and customer and support also in a way where saves time for the product company and plus also give an awesome experience to customers. So I think it's a win-win for everyone. And a big part of that customer support is for every person who reaches out, you would have had 10 who never reached out, right? That, that they maybe yeah. just stopped using it. They got frustrated and annoyed. Um, so everyone who takes the time to reach out shows they care, even if they're frustrated. One of the uh, companies I worked for in the past, they would put everybody on customer support rotation initially. That way you could feel that pain of someone who has paid for your software and is running into problems. Uh, it, it's a great barometer of what's going on. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, awesome. So Joshua, we are going to move to a little bit of like lightning round. We'll talk, uh, I'll ask you some uh, yeah. uh, fun questions. But before we move on to that, I have one last question. Um, about that if somebody wants a help with their improving their plugin experience better or something like that, um, how you can help them. So if you can talk a little bit about how people can work with you or what's yeah. your, you know, the, 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 the offering, then that would be great. Uh, I'm doing two things right now. Uh, one, I'll look through the, a plugin and give a, an evaluation where Let's just look at. Uh, so I'm a I'm a storyteller. I will I'll, I'll walk through the story of using your plugin and say, here's the areas where, from an emotional perspective, maybe I felt overwhelmed or really excited, elated, and I'll just I'll build out that story. And that's what I've been doing with these teardowns. That often is enough for some companies to realize, oh, uh, let's fix these things right away, or oh, I had no idea about this. So that's the first thing I do. The other is, in some companies, that's enough. They've got a product team internally, they'll run with that. Other times they'll say, hey, we don't quite have the resources to actually do all these things that you've suggested, can you help me? And that's where I'll come alongside and say, hey, let's set up an engagement, maybe for three months. I'll work on the most important things here. We'll start to prioritize and then we'll work on getting these things fixed. And that I like to split up those two because some teams only need the first part. Other teams are excited to have both parts. Got it. And the first part, is that something that um, you offer complimentary or something that like they have to sign a some sort of like retainer contract? I'm 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 experimenting with this. So okay. right now, what I've been doing is I've been doing complimentary ones just to figure out the principles in my mind. So I've been going through and doing teardowns. And if a company specifically says, hey, we're interested in working with you, I would then do what's a full teardown. And the difference is I will then do a workshop with the team 
where we're going to sit down, we'll record, and I'm going to show. It's one thing to call out the problems. It's another to call out ways that we can fix the problems. And that's where I split between complimentary and actually charging for help. Um, and I that over time, I hope all these teardowns will start to help. If a product person wants, they can just go through these and they can infer what they would do on their own. Um, and that's I, that's the balance that I'm finding. And I'm really enjoying that. Nice. Uh, yeah, we are also very um, very much excited and looking forward to working with you. So uh, to help us with improving our plugin experience. Um, so yeah, thank you for that. And yeah. thank you for sharing these 10 principles, Joshua. You ready for the lightning round? Let's, let's do it. I'm excited. Awesome. All right. So my first question is, what's the one book that changed your life? If it has to be just one, I, 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 I love reading books. I've read probably about 500 in the last decade, so about 30 to 50 a year. Um, I will pick one, and you then I get one back. All right, all right. Why not? It's hard. <laughs> On Writing by Stephen King was one of the most inspiring books I read, and it's kind of random. He talks about the power of storytelling, and if you've ever wanted to write a book, he talks about the process for how you can do that. And he writes it by telling a story. So you're already drawn in because you're learning a story. And that one actually inspired me to just become a better storyteller, which has helped me in every part of my career. If if I say, hey, let me tell you a story, immediately everyone's brains are activated and excited. Uh, that's a big one. Anything from Seth Godin in general, I recommend. I love, I I've read into, yeah. all of his books. I think they're so good. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll give three more and I'll try to keep this quick. Uh, one, maybe you should talk to someone is a book about a therapist seeing a therapist and talking about the importance of mental health and wrestling with some big things that she was dealing with in her life. It helped me to understand where therapy can actually help. And in the technology industry, we are starting to talk about this, but it's a big challenge. Um, so that, that's an important one. I'm happy to always share about that if someone's curious. Two more. One, so good they can't ignore you. It's from Cal Newport, where it talks about don't tell a young person to follow their passion. Instead, help them see what they're good at and help them see how they can continue to iterate on that and evolve it throughout their career. And then the last one is Creative Selection uh, by Ken Casienda, uh, who worked on the original iPhone keyboard. Uh, uh -huh. Many more, but all, those are just some fantastic books that I keep coming back to. Yeah. No, those five books are great. And we'll definitely uh, mention all these books into our uh, show notes as well. And um, um, on mental health, uh, one book that I recently mm -hmm. read, uh, Body Keeps the Score. Um, yeah, that's a really good book. And it kind of goes on into the human, uh, like our psychology and brain, like what happens to the stress and anxiety and what it does to our body. And also some solutions. And it's like uh, the, the real world situations where he kind of like talked about uh, uh, a lot of his patients' story and where it come from and what was the problem and what solution he suggested and uh, what kind of impact it created. So it's a really good book just to understand. I'll check uh, that out. Yeah, that's one of my favorite book in terms of the understanding uh, about more about the mental health or getting better yeah. at that. Awesome, so the next question is, um, do you have any advice um, on, um, or a tip, you know, uh, so who someone is struggling with work-life balance? Ah, I have found, that I need, my life is better 
when I have something I'm doing not tied to money. And for me, not tied to anyone else. Um, I have my wife, my kids, my friends, my family, my church, my social group. These are all positive things that fill me. I have my job, which I gen, gen, generally enjoy. <laughs> but if I don't have some kind of a hobby or thing that I'm doing on my own without the desire to make money, I often feel like I'm missing something. So what I'll do is most days I try to spend 15 or 30 minutes tinkering, playing with something. Mm. Even if I'm tired, I'll stay up a little bit and do that because it gives me something to look forward to in the day that throughout the day that it's not all just this repeat of work, sleep, eat, work, sleep, eat. Right. So finding a passion, hobby or interest that's yeah. not necessarily related to your profession, but just give you a joy or um, a fulfillment. And if it becomes your profession, that's great. Go find another one. That's yeah. what I, I like. Often those turn into my profession. Mm. That's totally fine. But then I, I do to go try to find something else to so just keep that curiosity going. Makes sense. I love that. Awesome. Uh, do you have any productivity hack or tip that helps you save tons of time and energy? I only am able to do my core work for about two to three hours a day. Um, Cal Newport refers to this as deep work. He has a whole book on it. Mm -hmm. And your unique contribution to the world is what can you do that you could not find a, an undergraduate to do for you with a month or two of training? So I try to look at what's that most important thing I'm put on this earth to do. And I can probably only do that for about two or three hours in a day and then be okay with pausing and coming back to it the next day. If I spend eight, 10 hours a day designing, programming, doing all of this, fully focused in, I actually don't have the ability to do it the next day. It's maybe that like that book you're referring to, I feel more, more empty. Um, so what's kept me going is recognizing, ah, I've had about three hours today of really hard work. That's good, I'll come back to it tomorrow. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And I think deep work in, in uh, particularly, um, I have found that yeah very very helpful uh, in terms of like what I have been doing is ninety minute uh, deep work sessions. So that's something that I have found that has been most effective for me. So anything creative or like problem solving or challenging where I really need a focus, I would do a ninety minute um, timer, and that will be it's like. I call it like kind of like creating a bubble, you know, so there is no distractions, interruptions, anything like that. And focus on the 90 minute with an intention. So in the beginning of that session, I'll set an intention, like what I want to accomplish in this 90 minutes. And then as soon as that, that 90 minute deep work session is done, I'll go for 30 minutes walk because that's some things I would not start anything else. Uh, the next task, because then like, yeah, then you, then it's not as effective. So doing a 90 minute session, taking 30 minutes break, like walk or workout or whatever works out. And then you can go again on a 90 minute uh, um, uh, deep session on an, another topic. So that's something that I also learned that like uh, you yes. can't just continue the, that because then you need to give that little bit of space for your creativity and all the ideas and that you have been doing. And then you come back to the same task again next day. You know, So that's something that has worked a lot for me. I love that. How many of those in a day are you able to usually do and make it sustainable? Yeah. So what I do is um, during every like my work routine and work days, I have 
um, I would keep maybe one or two those deep work sessions mm-hmm. uh, doing that because I have a bunch of different meetings and small of other st- st- stuff, you know. So then I will not get those uh, continuous ninety-minute slot. But then I have one of the day in the week I call it Think Day. That's my Friday. So every Friday I don't take any meetings, you know. So my Friday ah, is yes. completely blocked. And that day I would do four. Uh, to five uh, deep work sessions. So 90 minute session, 30 minutes break, 90 minute again. So that's Friday because I know that I will not be interrupted by any meeting. You must love that day. That yeah. sounds amazing. Yeah. Oh, that, that's awesome. I, I love that way of thinking and also recognizing you need to reward yourself with a little walk or a workout or something. If it's 90 minutes, then 90 minutes, then 90 minutes. That's, yeah. that's not fun. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I also sometimes like when I, if you be in between some of those sessions, what I will do is, like sometimes like I would put my phone in all away in that 90 mm-hmm. minutes, but then during the 30 minutes break, I will do a walk, but sometimes I will also check my phone, you know, social media. So however want to enter, however way I want to entertain myself, like all those things that yeah. we are craving for, like, oh, I didn't check my phone. I didn't check my social media accounts or whatever, right? So I would allow myself to do that in 30, that 30 minutes, you know? So that 30 minutes is, is my like cheat time, whatever I want to do, you know, uh, fun like you know our rest all of that but then when i'm in that 90 minute deep session at that time yeah i will be i need to avoid all of everything else in and focus on this one thing i love that that's a really great way of balancing those two and rewarding yourself with hey you can play but you've still got 90 minutes and then you can have fun exactly awesome um Joshua, do you have any life values that you want to share? Uh, usually I ask uh, like two to three, the values that in our core, like important for, for your all decision making. I am, am a curious person. I like to just keep tinkering with things, figure things out. There was a book by, uh, by Walter Isaacson about Leonardo da Vinci and that he had a little note that he wanted to study the bill of the woodpecker. He wanted to understand how it worked. And you end up reading through 30 hours of books before you realize he draws it back around to why that mattered. And Leonardo da Vinci was just this eternally curious person always poking around. So that, that's an important part of me. If a new technology comes out like ChatGPT, I'm like, all right, I'm not going to be afraid. I'll be curious. I'll try to see what I can do with this and not, not allow it to overwhelm me because our life, our world is changing incredibly fast. The other, this is going to be relatively obscure, but it's it's a really very important to me. I'm a huge fan of Roger Williams, the 17th century preacher from America, that he founded the state of Rhode Island on the principle of at the time it was wild and crazy that it didn't matter what religion you were part of, you should be able to believe whatever you wanted. That was a big deal at the time. Um, and even today, that is so important to me. I happen to come from a religious background, but it is so critical that nobody in the world be forced to think the way another person should think. So I apply that in how I work as a designer. It is not my job to convince someone that I'm right. It's to share ideas, inspire, maybe give suggestions and allow people to land where they want to land because then no one is ever feeling coerced. And coercion is what the bad guys do in movies, right? That's not what I'm interested in doing. So that's a big part of who I am. Awesome. No, thanks for sharing that, Joseva. Um, all right. So then we are almost going to wrap it up yeah. soon. 
Um, and the one question I have before we wrap, wrap it up is actually two questions. So first question is, who should I interview next um, for for the series from the WordPress community? That uh, for me, that's an easy one. It's my co-host of a podcast, uh, Lance Robbins. He okay. is fantastic. He and I talk a lot about how can we encourage a better remote culture in WordPress? How can we come around and some companies have to be in office. Some p companies are hybrid. A lot of them are remote. And back when I was a kid, I'm old enough. I remember that the manager dictated the shop. They told everyone what to do and everyone had to listen. That's not the world that many of us want to live in today. And so Lance, he's dedicated his his company and what he does to helping WordPress companies figure that out and coming along alongside them. And he's also a fantastic podcaster. So I'd highly recommend Lance. That's great. Yeah. Uh, I would love to have him here. That'd great. be perfect. Awesome. All right. So the last question then I have is how can people find you online and learn more about everything that you do? Perfect. Uh, yeah, the simplest way is if you go to joshuawold.com, W-O-L-D, you'll learn more about my onboarding, uh, more about my writing, my work in WordPress. Uh, that's just kind of the one-stop shop for everything. Um, and if you, what I would love is if you just have questions, you're like, hey, this principle doesn't make sense, or I'm trying to do this, I am happy to chat about that. And it might even uh, fuel more articles I might write or tear down. So it helps inspire me to hear from people. Great. No, we will put all those details down into the show notes. And uh, yeah, I think that was all. Um, Joshua, thank you so much for being here and for your time today and sharing all your, um, you know, the, your principles, your expertise in this field. It was a really awesome conversation with you. Thanks for chatting. I really appreciate it. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Peaceful Growth. Let me tell you, I'm an introvert. And also English is not my first language. So you would understand how uncomfortable it would be for me to do a podcast like this. But we don't grow staying in our comfort zone. And that's what I'm doing here. And also encourage you to do things that challenges you and take you out of your comfort zone. I would also appreciate it if you shared this episode with others. It will help me on my mission to inspire 100 million people to build an extraordinary life. To learn more about how I balance my multi-million dollar business and continue to learn and grow in other areas of life, uh, check out my weekly newsletter, Learn Plus Grow, on anilg.substack.com. May the pace and growth be with you.